Uh, what a blessing. It's neat to have our children minister through song. Well, happy Mother's Day to you. I hope um, it's going very well. And, and uh, I, you know, I'm so thankful for all the women that have had an influence in my life. There has been, of course, my mother, my grandmother, great-grandmother, uh, and my wife. Um, but, you know, there's lots of times other women that aren't family that have had an impact on my wife. I can think of teachers. I can think of neighbors. I can think of people in the church. And so there may even be some here today that would say, well, Pastor David, I'm not a mother. So, um, you know, this is tough, uh, maybe a little tough. But I would say understand the influence you've had on others, other uh, people in your lives. Because it's very, it's huge. It's very important. That's what the church is for. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. And uh, God is good. I've already been, um, I've already been congratulated with Happy Mother's Day. So, um, <clears throat> my daughter came out uh, this morning. My wife had helped her get dressed and everything, and she came up and said, "Happy Mother's Day." And I said, "Oh, I think you're supposed to say that to mom." She said, "I already did, but I wanted to say it to you too." <laughs> I, and I said, "Okay, well, thank you, thank you." <laughs> um, and as I was talking to somebody earlier, you know, the, the often the dad does do some motherly things, you know, and fills that role if need be. Um, but there's certain things us men just cannot do, can we? <laughs> so, um, amen. Well, I'm, I'm excited for the message this morning. Uh, I hope it'll be a blessing to you. I am back in the pulpit. Pastor uh, Kaminsky and Miss Janie, they are up in Washington. Uh, they're up there for their daughter Jennifer's graduation. I think I believe she got a, I think it's a, I don't want to get myself in trouble now, but I think it's a master's degree in animal science. Is that right? Does anybody know? Yeah, I think so. So um, anyways, that's quite an accomplishment, uh, as you know, um, with her falling into the fire and being burned. And um, I know that's only by the grace of God and God's help. So we can praise the Lord. You can pray for her. Pastor said four of his children were there and they had uh, Melissa Merrill with the little baby. Uh, um, They're also so just just a neat time. So pray for them. Pray it's a a neat time. They'll be coming back, I think, uh, this evening. And um, he'll be back in the pulpit um, gradually, too. So <laughs> um, I've enjoyed the opportunities to preach, but I, I do feel like Pastor does a lot in his preaching and teaching. And so I'm, I'm glad to fill. And so I will do my best. Someone asked me today, are you preaching? And I, and I said, I'm going to try. OK, <laughs> so anyways, uh, if you would open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke 10, uh, we'll be looking at verse 38. Um, As you turn there, last week we um, looked at some principles from the life of Manoah. Manoah and his wife, who were the parents of Samson in Judges 13. And we looked at really the blessings of a godly home. And there are so many blessings. And it's so good for us to remember those blessings and really to, to focus on those blessings, not focusing on what we don't have or what we think we don't have. Um, and having the right perspective in those ways, because God is so good, and, and what a blessing to grow up in a godly home. And uh, today, uh, this morning, I'd like to um, focus again on the home, and uh, as it is Mother's Day, though not necessarily talking about um, uh, the role of a mother, but talking about women, and really, the title today is Work and Worship in the Home. Work and Worship in the Home. Uh, I believe it was Abraham Lincoln that said, I regard no man as poor who has a godly mother. And if you had a godly mother, um, it's it's a huge, uh, huge gift from God. He also said, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. And so because of that, and really the ministry of the mother often is in the home. Uh, Some do work and have 
different things there, but often it is work, isn't it? Wait a minute, it's work, and it takes a lot, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I want to add that idea of work and worship, and I believe in our passage today as we look at uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, we understand more of the, really the importance of the home and uh, really not degrading any of the roles and the type of personalities and the things that the, the people that were there and all the things that, that God has in this story for us. But I think there's a priority in that passage, and I think God will bless. So let's start reading in verse 38, and uh, then we'll pray. Luke, Luke 10, verse 38. Luke 10, verse 38. <clears throat> now it came to pass as they went... That he, that being Jesus, entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray this morning that you, Lord, would help us to see how important it is to worship you with all our heart, to commune with you, to know you. Lord, as we understand that we all ought to be about, as you've saved us, Lord, you've called us into ministry, you've made us for ministry. Lord, to understand that ministry has its place, but it ought to come out of a heart of worship. And so, Lord, as as we talk about the home this morning, I pray that you'd help me to communicate these values, these ideas, and Lord, that you'd help us to Lord, just be on track, Lord, that you might set some things straight in our own hearts. That you might help us to genuinely want to have godly homes. Lord, it's truly godly homes that, that you bless. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd help now and do work in our hearts. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I read of a man that was filling out an application for something, and he had to put down his wife's, uh, who was a mother, he had to put down her position. And uh, how, many, how many women, how many when you, times do you get to something like that, and uh, you, maybe you don't have a, a, a job outside the home, and you think to yourself, what do I put? What do I put down for my position, my role? Um, and uh, some people could say, um, mother of the house, you know, that's a good thing to say, because there's a lot involved there. But he put down domestic goddess. <laughs> he kind of understood a little bit more of the role of his, his wife and, and the mother of his children. Um, not, in a, not in a bad way, but the idea is you think about it, the resume of a mother who's in the home, there is so much. As I think about my wife and all that she does. And truly, as I, as I look back at, at my mother and all that she did, I don't think I fully understood, fully appreciated all that my mother did when I was growing up. I had no idea, no idea. And uh, often children will take it for granted and not think about all that's, that's going on. And it's so easy. I think, I think it was when I became a parent and when I saw what my mother did and I realized all these sacrificial love, all these things that 
that a mother does and that a father does that I started appreciating my parents so much more. Um, with our youth group over the years, we've had uh, what we call parent appreciation banquets. And that was really the idea of these young people starting to understand and appreciate and showing that gratitude of, of what their parents are doing. I think it was a good thing. And in serving their parents, we made a special meal and they would use their talents and gifts for the Lord. Uh, but you think about it. Boy, if you think of a resume, resume of a mother, there's, there's what? There's, first of all, having the child, okay? <laughs> or adopting, and there's different things there, but... But uh, just taking care of that child. And when a child is an infant, there is so, so, so much care. Uh, feeding and clothing and, and caring and all these different things and late nights. And men ought to help. And I'm thankful for good examples of men in our church that help their, their wives who are, are mothers with young children. But you think of, boy, just the cleaning of the house. And you think of all the, the dishes and then cooking the meals and, and vacuuming and and, of course, the laundry. And at my home, we have a lot of laundry, okay? If the laundry breaks down, um, we, we have a lot of difficulty, okay? I mean, if the washer breaks down and there's no uh, place to do the laundry, it's, it's not easy. I mean, we'll, we'll go. My wife's done loads. Boy, if she misses a day or two, I mean, it just creeps up. And uh, I, I think we ought to help, and I try to help when I can. Um, but I, I uh, don't always do, like, what I should in that area because I don't see it necessarily always as my role. Um, but it's definitely good to help out our, um, our wives. But you think about all these different things that a mother does, it's amazing to think about it. No, you should never be ashamed for putting on a, a type of form, uh, mother of a home or something like that, uh, domestic goddess. I mean, that's the next thing you'll say, I don't know. But never be ashamed because it is a huge role and has a huge impact on our homes and our families and our children. And it is, it is an awesome thing. That God has allowed you to do. But in this passage here this morning, um, I don't believe Mary, our mother, or our mothers, um, uh, Martha and Mary, they, they are family. And of course, we know Lazarus is, is also the brother there. More than likely, Mary is the older sister, though, um, for many reasons. Often she's named first. It talks about her home. We don't know if she ever was married. Some believe she was married and she was widowed. We're not sure about that speculation. Um, We do see with this question here and and question and then kind of asking Jesus, almost Mary becoming the role of the master (laughs) in more than one way in the home, truly the domestic goddess, asking these things that maybe she was, maybe she was a little bit younger though. Often in that culture, uh, women and men grew up quick. There was no such thing as a teenager Back then, it was it was often um, women were married at a young age, 14, 15, 16. We know Mary, the mother of Jesus, was young, very young. Um, but we, we just know as various different passages in the New Testament that this family uh, came to know Christ. And I don't know, as Jesus was teaching that Mary and Martha came up and got to know him and, and said, hey, we live in Bethany, not too far from Jerusalem, when you're passing through, just come to our house. Stay at our house. We'll, we'll feed you. We'll take care of you. Um, we, we just want to know you more. And, and isn't it something to, to think about Jesus and the close friendships he had with others? Okay, He, he would come and you see him here just sitting and, and eating and relaxing and, and talking uh, with them and, and allowing them to serve him. I mean, think about it. Jesus never had a home. He never had a home. I mean, he, he, when he traveled, people took him in. There was hospitality 
um, as pastors been talking about core values, the core values of the early church was hospitality. It was going house to house, breaking bread, communing with the Lord and with each other. It was it was a core value. It was very important. And we see this right here, just so important. All the things that are that are taking place and in Martha, often she's the server, isn't she? She's often serving and and not to say that Mary never served um, because by the question would would show that she had served or she served before. Um, but they kind of had a little bit different personalities, didn't they? Martha might have been more of a type A personality. Let's do it, get it done. She was very thoughtful, getting all these things. And, and as you think through it, there's a lot of things to get done, isn't there? And so we know this. We also know the story, um, the true account of Lazarus dying and God bringing him back to life. And really by that event, we know the Pharisees, really that was kind of the nail in the coffin that the Pharisees said, we need to put Jesus to death. Now somebody's back to life again. This is a, a living testament to God. And they missed it, didn't they? Boy, what? how could you miss something like that? That God would bring somebody back to life again. And ultimately, Jesus would come back to life again as he had the power over death. And so in this passage, we see a lot. And I just want to just, for a few moments, just get some lessons. I want three lessons from this passage of really of our gracious master teacher. As he's sitting there teaching, he is teaching. Um, Mary's sitting at his feet. But I think there's three good lessons as we think about the home and, and working and hospitality and all these things. And, and the first lesson this morning is true hospitality is serving others over self. True hospitality is serving others over self. And that seems simple, doesn't it? That's a simple concept. We know that. But as we see this here, we see this unfold um, uh, we, we see that really Martha, though, is is struggling with some things, isn't she? Um, she likes to serve. She likes to be hospitable. She she loves welcoming guests. She does a good job. This is her home. She's kind of like the master of ceremonies here. She's overseeing all these things and a lot of things are going on. Um, um, and she's trying to serve Christ. She's trying to serve others. But she, herself does get in the way, doesn't it? It does get in the way. Well, let's let's look a little bit deeper in this passage. Verse verse one there, or verse thirty eight, the first verse of our section, says, "And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house." That word "received" is the idea of welcome, is to uh, to invite, to have come over, to receive someone. Um, uh, very good thing. And and really, as we see, also it says that she's serving. She asked Mary to serve. She's serving. That word for serving there is the word we get deacon. Uh, it, literally, in Greek, it's it's deaconos. It's it's right there. It simply means to to serve. So uh, Martha here is a devoted servant, and this is this is often in the Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, eating together was an act of hospitality. It was an act of unity and fellowship, and very important. And they're inviting Jesus in. Someone said the hosp- the hospitable act of communal meal possesses great significance. Uh, sim- I got to start over. The hospitable act of the communal meal possesses great symbolic significance. There we go. In the ancient world, to share food with someone was to share life. Such a gesture of intimacy created a bond of fellowship. Hence, God's meal with the elders of Israel. Exodus 24, where where Abraham is, is feeding these three and wanting to feed them. Jesus' meal with tax collectors and sinners. The Lord's Supper, 
Jesus' post-resurrection meals. When they're fishing, they come and eat of the fish. Peter's meal with Gentiles and the common meal of the early Christians communicated a powerful message of intimacy and unity. It was important. It was good. Uh, Someone said, some folks make you feel at home. Others make you wish you were home. (laughs) Okay. Um, But it ought to be a trait of Christians. It ought to be a trait of his church. It ought to be a trait of Westside Baptist Church is the idea of having times together and breaking bread and fellowshipping and eating and not just eating. We do a lot of eating here, but communing with the Lord and with each other and encouraging and talking about what God's done in our life and thinking about passages in the Bible and what they mean in our devotions. And those are those are wonderful times. You see, in another passage, uh, Luke 7, you don't need to turn there, Luke seven forty four through 46, Jesus went into Simon the Pharisee's home and he ate with him. And, and you know that story. And it says that there's a lady that went and anointed him and she was called a sinner. All right. Uh, that was probably a separate account of what we'll talk about in a few moments here. But Jesus said what to the Pharisees? He said, hey, I came in and you didn't even wash my feet. And here she is washing her feet or my feet with her hair and the ointment. He said, you didn't even greet me. And here she is. She's came and she's greeting me. You see, common, it was very common in that society. You, when, the, when someone came, you would take and you would literally wash their feet or have a servant wash their feet because of the, the shoes and all the sandals they wore and all the dirt and the things they went through. No doubt Martha would have washed Jesus' feet as he came in. No doubt she welcomed him. No, no doubt maybe she welcomed him with a, a sisterly kiss that was very common on the side of the cheek, both sides of the cheek. Washed her feet, washed his feet. She would have welcomed with an attitude of service. And it's very important to serve one another. In fact, the Bible is very clear that we're to serve one another. We're to love one another. We ought to. And that, and that really means that we put ourselves to the side and we serve another. Uh, there's a picture of a home and there's these uh, picture there and, and it shows these it looks like women at first that are serving someone's pulling one of the ladies is pulling out some some bread out of the oven another one is setting the table and another one is, is doing some cleaning and as you look closer it's the it's the face of angels because really as we serve one another it really is it's a godly service it's an important ministry but some some issues crept up don't they we see as she serves, she received him in her house. I um, mean, we kind of have this conflict that brews. We have kind of this contrast between Mary and Martha. Uh, but verse 40 says, uh, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to Jesus and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? And what is her question here? Her question is, God, do you care? I'm all alone. Have you ever asked that question? Maybe not in serving, but have you ever asked that question? God, I'm all alone. Do you care about me? The answer is, of course, God cares for us, doesn't he? And really, this this idea is the fact that she's serving. She's trying to be meticulous. She's trying to do all the details. She's trying to be a good master of ceremony. But she sees here this, this other, her sister, who's supposed to be helping making this an awesome celebration, awesome meal, 
Like one of those things like at Thanksgiving, you want everything just right, all the china, all the silverware. No doubt Jesus is eating and she's going back. She's filling his plate. She's making sure that his drink is full. No doubt she's seeing Mary just sitting there, you know, and it's one thing to serve. And she probably walked by Mary a few times, you know, Mary's sitting there and she kind of just stops a little bit and looks at her and keeps going, you know, and Mary's still sitting there, so... Maybe I ought to go in the kitchen and just make some noise, you know, you know, washing those pans and making some noise over there and coming out and Mary's still sitting. OK, and, and we all know we all understand that. I mean, this morning, the men were bringing the flowers in for you ladies. And I and I was I really wanted to talk to some people. And I thought to myself, I've been there where people are bringing things in. It's like. No one's going to help me. <laughs> you know, there's six different trees of flowers out here, and I'm, I'm doing it, you know, myself. Um, or you're putting up the, um, the tables for a potluck, and people are standing around. And, and you know, that's, that's, not a, that's not a pleasing others type of mentality, is it? Or trying to serve others, not please others, right? That's not a right mentality, because now what? You focused on who? Self. And it's easy to get this way. And it's almost understandable with with Mary here and, and some of the things that she's asking. and But Martha is, is now really, she's saying, Lord, do you care? I'm serving alone. And then he command, she commands um, Jesus to tell Mary, bid her therefore that she help me. Now she's just going to make it known. She stops in front of Mary and says, Jesus, I don't care what you're saying. You need to just tell Mary to get up. She can get off her seat. You know, she might be thinking, get off her lazy seat and and go help me in the kitchen. You know, that's her mentality. Right. And and I'm sure every one of us has had thoughts at times like that. Um, But, yeah. And, And so, you know, she becomes what? Severely critical of others. She's becoming very severely critical, sharp tongue. This is a pretty big deal to bring it up in front of others. I don't know if you've had a time like that where someone tries to rebuke you through someone else. Um, that's, those are situations where you're like, oh, I wish I wasn't quite in the room present, <laughs> you know, um, if you're just sitting in, hearing something like that. Um, but, you know, Martha's behavior shows how subtle and sinful, sinfully human pride can corrupt even the best of our actions. Because it's really pride, isn't it? She's exalting herself and saying, Mary needs to, this is my house. This is, we're going to try to make this a wonderful, elaborate celebration, time of meal. And she's not, she's not getting in on this. She's getting puffed up, isn't she? She's expecting others to do what she thinks they need to do. It's susceptible to anger, resentment, jealousy, distrust, a critical spirit, judgmental. Um, you know, there's a trap. It's a religious trap. Easy. It says in 2 Corinthians 10, 12, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not what? Not wise. It's not good to compare yourselves with others and thinking, well, I'm doing more for Christ. They need they need to come alongside. They need to they need to do what I'm doing. That's that's a trap. That's that's pride. That's arrogancy. That leads to all kinds of things that are not good. I mean, she's no doubt she'd be commended for her service, but now her heart is not right. And that's what Jesus sees, doesn't he? Jesus sees the heart. He knows Mary's heart. He knows Martha's heart. And that's why he can say what he does. 
And he graciously rebukes Martha and says, Martha, Martha, hey, listen, Mary's doing what's necessary. She's doing the good part. Maybe you ought to just sit down and not worry about those dishes. We've got enough food. I can get up, you know. But I, I think it's easy. It's easy for men. I think it's especially easy for women to focus so much on all those details and things that we we miss out on what's truly important. And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but. Romans 12.10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. To, to honor one another above yourself. 1 Peter 5.5 5 says, Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with hum- humility. For God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Philippians 2.3-4 By the way, these are in New King James. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves or himself. Let each of you look not out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. She was doing a good work. It was a good thing, but she now was was turned aside to, to pride and arrogancy and thinking that others should do more. And truly, I want to just have a side note here, a little rabbit trail. It's easy. It's easy for us in a Baptist church. It's easy for us in in Christianity to focus so much on what we're doing for Christ that we miss out on what we actually believe and who we worship that should transcend into our service. It's so easy to be a doer, 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 doer and not become a follower of Christ. Do you catch what I'm saying? Um, it's it's very easy to do, do, do. I marked off, I have all these things I need to do, I need to get done, I need to get done. I checked them off, I feel pretty good about myself. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want that. What we believe is ultimately more important than what we do. Proper good works always flow from faith and are the fruit of it. What we do is vital because it is an evidence that our faith is real and genuine. Someone wrote a poem and it goes like this. And it's really good for us to understand. I will not work my soul to save. For that my Lord has done. But I will work like any slave for love of God's dear son. Do you catch it? You know, that separates Christianity with the other false religions of the world. It's do, do, do in order to God accept you, in order for you to get to heaven, in order for your good to outweigh your bad. Do, do, do. We've got to do all these things, all these things. But that's not Christianity. That ought not to characterize our church. It's what? Love, love, love. Love Christ. Serve Christ because we love him. What he did for me, a heart of gratitude. You know, always thinking back of the cross and what he's done ought to, ought to help us to Boy, if Christ humbly died on a cross as a just man for unjust people, can't I go, as pastors talked about, the extra mile for someone else? Jesus went way beyond the extra mile, didn't he? He did that for me. Not do, 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 but love, love, love Christ supremely. So true hospitality is is serving others over self. And Mary kind of got wrapped up with some things that Really now, her pride and things came up higher than, than, um, than they ought to. And truly, 
Salvation is through Christ alone. He did the work for us. Our assurance is what he did and our faith in him. But secondly, I want you to see this. And we've kind of already touched on a little bit. But the preparations of hospitality or the work in the home, all those things can easily distract us. They can easily distract us. I mean, you think about putting on a banquet. All right. I put on banquets. I've been a part of that. Um, I know Carolyn sure done that and others have done that. But think about all the things that are part of putting on a banquet, a good banquet, the best you can do banquet. Uh, you have to think through what? Uh, what's always important? You need to think about the date. Okay, is the date going to work? You have to look at several different calendars. Um, in me, I'm always looking at what? Church calendar. I'm looking at my family calendar. I'm looking at sports and school calendars. We're looking at all these different calendars, but finding the right date. And then it's what? It's finding the right facility. What's going to work? How many people are coming? Uh, what are we going to do? Okay. It's, it's looking at those, and then you kind of get that, and then it's sending out invitations, all right? So you get the invitations out, who's all, who all needs to get that, who's all part of this. I need to think about my crew. What are we doing? I need to buy food. We got, what are we going to have? You know, usually it's what? It's a, it's a meat, two side dishes, a salad. I don't know what it is. Something like that, right? I mean, there's a certain thing, certain things you do there. And then, hey, what dessert are we going to have? What, I mean, we need to have this dessert. You know, this time of the year, these, these fruits are available. This, I don't know, all these things. Ice creams, wintertime doesn't work. So what should we, you know, you start thinking about all those things. Uh, you start thinking about the drinks. What are we going to drink? All right, uh, Cheryl and Jerry, they're not here today, so I can say this. Um, no, it's in a good thing. Um, anyways, we need to be praying for Cheryl with her knee surgery and things. But they always say, hey, we'll do the main dish. We'll do the side dishes. But someone else do the drinks. Someone else do the dessert. Because <laughs> they, don't, they don't want that. All right? But you think through all those things. And the time comes. And you've got to do the decorations. And you've got to have parking. And have all these things. And all these things. And all of a sudden, we're, we're focused on all the things that take place. We've, we've lost sight of the main purpose. And that is what? To glorify God. To love God supremely and to love others. This is a way of communing and having unity and fellowshipping. And um, I know in, um, in, in having people over to our, to our home, my wife is doing so much in the home, cleaning and trying to get all these things. And, and, and I know if husbands, if you, it, 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 this ought to be part of our lives though, right? Aren't we seeing this? We ought to have people over okay, to our homes. or It, it might be easier just to go out to eat, okay? <laughs> But it ought to be a part of it. the missionaries that come through, the evangelists that's coming through, all these different things. That'll be part of our lives, okay? <clears throat> but I think sometimes we don't do these things because we don't want to have all those responsibilities and all those things. But all those things can sometimes become distractions. It says that she was cumbered about with much serving. Um, another translation says, a New American Standard says, she was distracted with her many preparations. She's distracted. In fact, the, the comparison there, and she's, she had a sister called Mary, verse 39, which also sat at Jesus' feet, soaking it in, and heard his word. And so the Greek there, it's literally, she was hearing, she was being taught his word or his teaching. So she's, she's constantly taking these things in. And the contrast here is, but Martha was cumbered. She was constantly cumbered. She was constantly distracted about her much surfing or about the much preparations. And so Mary's sitting. She's being fed, fed, fed. Martha is being distracted, distracted, distracted. So much so that Jesus says what? He says to her when he rebukes her, he says, you're careful or you have, you are, you're distracted. You have so much anxiety and you're troubled about many things. 
all these distractions, all these things that they're good. They're all part of it. But you're focused on all those things. Mothers in the home. It's easy to get focused on the cleaning, taking care of the children, uh, the, uh, getting them to school. What are we doing for school? All the sports events. And then one of the kids falls and hurts themselves. And now I need to console them and love them. And, and all these different things, it's easy to lose sight of what? That child's in your home for only so long. He's only there for so long. And then that child will be out on its own, his or her own. And we ought to love that child. We ought to invest in that child and help that child to love God and to have a mindset for ministry and serving the Lord and loving the Lord and being a follower of Jesus Christ. But it's so easy to get on what? All the here and now, the distractions that, that are important, but they can become a distraction. I was telling some of the men yesterday in the um, prayer breakfast, I said I, I enjoy coaching kids soccer. I really do. I enjoy it. I love it. It's fun. I'm really, I don't know that much about soccer. I played it. But it's just fun to, to teach them, spend time with them, to love on them, to, to run around with them and things. But one thing you have to help children understand with soccer, and it's, it's, uh, it's important for them to understand. Not many people like to watch soccer, by the way, but um, is that you have to play positions in soccer in order for you to get the objective of getting the ball in the goal or stopping the other team from getting the ball in your goal. You just have to play positions. If you don't, everybody's crowding around the ball. Everybody's focused on the ball, and it's pretty hard to score. The kids usually learn what? I am super tired. I've ran all the way from that over there and back into the other side of the field, and they're just chasing this ball around because they're focused on what? The ball instead of the objective. The objective is to score the ball in the or to keep them from Scoring a mine. And the only way I can do that is if we spread out. I was so proud of Jeremiah yesterday. He, he's getting this concept. He went to the side. A defender followed him. He passed it to a kid named Mauricio. Mauricio shot. He scored. Jeremiah had like three other passes like that. And I said, Jeremiah, you got it. You got it. You realize that if I go one way and draw the defender and then I pass the ball over there, hey, look, he's right there and he can score. And, and I said, that's just as important as scoring a goal. But folks, it's so easy to get focused. It's so easy to focus on all those other things instead of focusing on what? The most important thing that I need to get to. I just want to say this too, though. It's so easy to get focused with this building project on all of the details that can become what? Distractions. What is the main goal for that building over there? To glorify God. For people to come and corporately worship God together. To train people, to disciple, to send people out, to reach, go in other parts of the world and the country. It's for evangelism, discipleship, missions. Folks, I'm the head of the design committee. So I get these decisions. Carpeting, we're talking about carpeting. What kind of carpet do we want in the Sunday school room? What do we want in the flooring, in the hallway? What do we want in the bathroom? What do we want all these things? What paint color, all these things? Folks, we have to come back to the mindset of what is the goal of the building. It is a tool for ministry. Um, I tell you, it's very tough to hear people say, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And I say, we want to do it well. We really do. We want to think through all those things. But what is the building for? It is not to be a building to compare with another church in town, another church building. It's not what it's for. 
It's not to be somehow, hey, look at Westside Baptist Church. Look what we've done. It's not what it's for. It's for God's glory. We have the right perspective. Does it really matter tons on certain colors? And the women would say yes, but <laughs> does it really matter? And it does matter, but it, we have to put it in the right order. Do you get what I'm saying? It's important. And that's no rebuke to anybody except for to me. Luke twelve twenty four through 26. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouses nor barn. And yet God, he feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? So true, isn't it? We get our eyes off the most important things. Let me just say this also. God uses all kinds of people. He's gifted us differently for different reasons. We're talking about this on Wednesday nights. Hope you can come about spiritual gifts. Some people have the gift of serving. It's serving others. It's behind the scenes. They love to do it. Uh, different positions, uh, helping with the building. Uh, some people don't have that gift. We're now, we're all called to serve one another, aren't we? But some people love to do it. They love to do it. Other people have more of a speaking gift. They ought to be serving. And the person that's serving ought to be speaking, right? Whenever they have a chance to talk about Christ. But sometimes it's very easy for us in our spiritual gifts to say, man, why, didn't, why can't they do this? Or why can't they do that? Again, that's comparing yourselves with one another. God has given each person a spiritual gift in this room. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, and when you gather together in a church service, God wants you to minister and use that gift you've been given. God has a specific role for each person that's here, not just for the pastor or the ushers or the sound person. There's a lot of people that are involved, but you have a gift. You need to use it. Well, lastly, and I think this is the main the main lesson of the passage is that worshiping Christ must be of first importance. That's got to be the main thing. Worshiping Christ, communing with God. We see this in verse uh, verse um, 42. It says, but one thing. What did Mary ha- or Martha have? Many things. She's told many, many things. Many things that became a distraction to her instead of the one thing. But one thing is needful or it's necessary. There's one thing. Folks, you know how important it is to live just simply a simple Christian life? We ought not, Christianity ought not to be so complex. It really ought not to be. We get back to, as pastor's been talking about, core values, what's most important. He says there's one thing. One thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part. This idea of to choose is literally to choose. It means to, to see what's out there, to, to look at it, and what's the best thing? What's the thing that's most important? And so she's choosing that one thing, that good thing, which is that good part. And he says, which shall not be taken away from her. So Jesus graciously, the master teacher, teacher graciously rebukes Martha and he commends Mary. He's commending Mary. Mary understood the true importance of this occasion. She understood the son of God himself was guest in their home. There could be other times to serve. There could be other times not to serve, but to do those little things that really didn't matter in her mind. There was something much more important, and that was Jesus right in the room that she needed to please him. She was sitting, as it says there in verse 
39. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Folks, we ought to be sitting at the feet of Jesus daily. We ought to be just saying, Jesus, teach me, mold me, help me. I want to worship you. That's why it's so important to get in the word of God daily and just to sit at his feet. And she's hearing, she's learning, she's wanting to grow. She's wanting this. This is of first most importance to her. Why don't you turn to John 12? Let's leave this passage now and focus on Mary just a second. As I said earlier, there was a a lady that came and she anointed Jesus. She washed Jesus' feet with her hair. That is probably not, it's, that's a different event that occurred in the Bible. There's different, there's just a different setting. It's different, okay? But now we get, come to the story where Mary again worships Christ. And let's read this in John chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Okay, Bethany is just outside of Jerusalem. The Passover, of course, is where the lamb was killed and Jewish in remembrance, Jewish holiday in remembrance of them coming out of Egypt. But also, what was it to Jesus? It was him being the perfect lamb of God that would die for our sins. He knew that he would be on the cross. The Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. That's pretty significant, right? Verse 2, there they made him a supper, and Martha served. Go figure. <laughs> There's Martha serving. That's She loved to do it. She's serving. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with them. Lazarus is just an object lesson of the power of God for everybody that's coming to see. Verse 3, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Mary, Mary wasn't so worried about all the extra things. It was one thing, wasn't it? Communion with Christ to know Christ. Something very special here because it's pointed out that six days before the Passover. I don't fully know, but did the disciples understand Jesus was going to die on the cross? They didn't understand it. Hardly anybody understood that until it actually happened, even though Jesus told them. But most commentators believe Mary, Mary had, a, had an idea something was going to happen. She knew that Lazarus was raised from the dead. She knew the Pharisees, they did not like that. She kind of, she's taking all these things in. She's taking all these things in. And we have recorded a second time where a lady goes and washes Jesus' feet with precious or with ointment. I believe it's different than the other account. It's in three different Gospels, this one. Let's think about this. She poured this ointment of spikenard. It was from Egypt. It was it was pure. Um, it was unadulterated. There was nothing else added into it. It was it was the pure stuff. Um, there's one family in our church. They love to have pure maple syrup. syrup. <laughs> I usually have the stuff that's mixed up. Okay, <laughs> corn corn whatever it is corn. Yeah, the corn stuff that's not good for you, but. But that's the idea. This is the pure, the pure stuff. It's very costly. The idea is it was probably a whole year's wages. As it says in one other place, 300 denarii, which was one denarii was a day's wage. So almost a year's wages. It was very costly. Um, in another passage, it says she broke the top off. It was alabaster, which is a type of marble. She broke it off, which would mean you cannot put it back together. Um, it, she said, I'm doing it. I'm done. It's total 
devotion to Christ. And so she does this, and it's filled in the air, and this is her act of worship. Mary probably, maybe most scholars believe that she had some inclination that Jesus probably would be put to death. We don't know fully, but that's the idea of total devotion. She has this love for Christ. She's focused on communing with her God. Then we read of Judas Iscariot. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence? There you go. And given to the, the poor. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, lay her alone against the day of my bearing. Hath she kept this for the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people, the Jews therefore knew that he was there and they came not for Jesus's sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also whom he had raised from the dead. And so Judas here says, hey, we need to, We need to sell that and give to the poor. Well, he was a he was a crook. He was a thief. Uh, he wanted the money. But it shows anything. Whenever you have total devotion for God, you're willing to give your all. You're willing to make sacrifices. Other people will what? Criticize you. Oh, you don't understand. What are you doing? Why would you spend all that time? Why would you, why do you, why do you, why do you, why do you sit and read your Bible that long? Why, why is it that important? Why, why would you want to go to the house of God? Well, probably wouldn't say it that way. Why do you want to go to church every Sunday, every service? Come on, we got other things going on. You can do that next Sunday. No, it's because I, I want to worship Christ with my brothers and sisters. This is so important. Do you see what I'm saying? She chose the better thing. She sat at Jesus' feet. It was an act of worship. She loved her Lord. Folks, we need to put our priorities right. In the home, there's work, without a doubt. But there ought to be worship. There ought to be that time with our Lord. We have to have not just our eyes on the ball, not like baseball, but we have to have understand our position in Christ. The position that, that we are saved. God is doing a work in our life that one day we'll be with him in heaven. We need to keep the right perspective on all these things. So God help us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. <clears throat> there might be some this morning, I don't know, with this many people here, that maybe you don't know Jesus as your Savior. And I say that um, because I love you. It's so easy, and I think in a Baptist church, it's very busy. A lot of people are involved in ministry. Praise the Lord. But it's very easy for people to think, if I do all these things, if I do this, there's a checklist. And somehow, it's, yes, Jesus, but then it's also all of my good works. And you probably wouldn't say it that way, but you're looking at all your things that you do, and somehow God's smiling on you for what you do. Folks, that's not the gospel. The gospel is for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, gift of eternal life, not of yourself but of him. The thief on the cross didn't have to do anything but to call out, Lord, remember me in paradise. See, God wants to graciously give you eternal life. You're a sinner. Nothing you do can outweigh your sin. Sin is anything that breaks God's law. If you were to stand before Jesus today, if he were a good judge, he would have to judge every sin that you've committed if you are thinking you can trust in your good works too. It won't work. If you've broken one law, you're guilty of all. But Jesus, the judge, came down. He took that robe off. He came and he died in your place on the cross. He did the finished work. What did he say on the cross? It is finished. It's the gospel. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior today, you can 
come to know Him as your Savior. I wonder today if God's speaking to you this morning. Is there anybody? Raise their hand and say, Pastor Nathan, pray for me. I focused on doing, 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 but not on what Christ has done for me. Is there anybody like that? All right. What about you, Christian? Has it been more of duty for Christ instead of love for Christ? Duty is important, but it's not it's not what we see here. It's love for Christ. And then it's prioritizing what's most important, which is worshiping and knowing Christ, communing with him. There might be some here today that just need to confess some sin. They have some bitterness. They have some judgmental spirit. There's something where they're comparing. There's got all these other things. Some of us just need to repent and say, hey, I'm focusing on all the other things that have became a distraction where I need to just turn back to Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I need to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. Do business with God. Talk to him right now. Father in heaven, I pray that each one of us is is pondering our heart to see where we're at with you. Or there may be some truly here today that aren't saved. They've had a mentality of doing all these things in order to get salvation or, or something like that. But Lord, it's simply by grace alone and Christ alone, through faith alone in him. So Lord, do a work of grace in hearts. Or there's some here, and me included, Lord, we just got to repent and we got to turn away from our, our wicked thinking, our prideful thinking, comparing ourselves, becoming critical of others, focusing not on the, the objective of glorifying you, but focusing and comparing and focusing on what we've done. It's not about us. It's about Christ. So help, Lord, do work in our hearts this morning. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God is good, isn't he? And he will help.